Well, we are going to continue in our series on the church. Um, let me just pause one more time and let's, let's invite the Lord to be our teacher. We're going to look quite a bit today um, at Jesus. We're going to look at what he said and how he lived and kind of take a look at his life together this morning. So let's just invite him to come and really help us to see him clearly today. And so, Jesus, we just come before you. We thank you that that you are the word made flesh. You're the living word. And Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to receive you. God, we want to receive what you taught. We want to receive the life you lived. And Jesus, all the things that you want to pour into us to equip us to live our lives with you and for you, for your glory. God, we need your help. We need your help to hear this. We need your help to understand it. God, we need your help to walk this out. And so Holy Spirit, we thank you that that you're our teacher, you're our helper, and that you fill us with power to be the people that you've called us to be. And so God, would you come be our guide this morning? Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, this is actually part four. So all the way back three weeks ago, we kicked off this series, um, and I, I, I taught about kind of, kind of two key things to sort of kick the series off. One was the fact that the church was born out of the Word and the Spirit coming together. And so disciples who had been with Jesus, the living Word, they received his life and his teachings into their life. They had been discipled by him, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it was out of that that the church was born. But that's not just how the church was born. Guys, it's how we are now designed to live. We are the church. And so we are meant to be filled with, discipled in the word of God and filled with the spirit of God so we can live how God's called us to live. So that was the foundation of of our series. And so that was kind of one main point. Then the second main point we talked about was recognizing our place within the body of Christ. And so we talked about discerning the body. And don't let the word discerning throw you off. It just means being able to see it, being able to recognize that I'm a part of something. And so it's so easy for us to just slip into like an individual mindset or finding or creating our own little mini pockets of community wherever we find them. But the reality is we are a part of something. We are a part of Jesus' body. We're connected to people all over the world who are part of Jesus' body. And then we are meant to be engaged with local believers where we live. And so this thing that we do goes beyond singing songs, praying, and hearing a sermon on a Sunday morning. Like we're meant to engage with each other in real community, real relationship. And so discerning the body means I realize I'm a part of something and I'm getting to know and connecting with other members of the body. And there's times where, where I'm loving, I'm serving, I'm giving into the lives of other people, I'm making an impact. And then there's times where the rest of the body is impacting me. I'm being healed or encouraged or challenged by the body. And so that is the foundation for this series. So when we talk about church, I, I hope we realize that church is our life in Jesus the fullness of who he is in his word, filled with his presence in our lives, that's his spirit, and then connected with one another, really engaged and connected with one another. Does that make sense, all right? That is our foundation. So 
Our launching off point has been Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Uh, Those few verses summarize what the very early church looked like right at the launch of the church, right after Jesus ascends to heaven. You know, those, those 120 believers had committed themselves to waiting on receiving the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches a sermon. 3,000 people get saved. That, those 3,000 people now, it's described what their life looked like as the church. And it's described in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And so we sort of unpacked that a bit a few weeks ago. And kind of the highlights of that is everything I just said. So what we're going to do now is we're going to begin slowly working our way through this. We've hit on some of this stuff along the way already, just talking about prayer and worship. And so let's jump in at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 this morning. These people, this body, these believers, here's what they did. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, or your version might say doctrine, you know, it's that, that big Bible word, doctrine. That gets us all excited when we hear the word doctrine, doesn't it? All right. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching or doctrine and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Here's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about being devoted to doctrine. How many of you just, just got really excited just now? Being devoted to doctrine. I mean, that'll just... That'll fill stadiums with people and excitement will be bursting and it'll lead into shouts of joy and singing. Like when we hear doctrine, how about you? But like, I think of like some dry, boring Bible class at some old seminary that's been around for hundreds of years and the the professor in there has been there those whole 200 years that it's existed, right? Like for some reason, somewhere along the way, doctrine got tied in to be something dry and dead and boring. And so my, my hope this morning is, is we might be re-inspired to see uh, the beauty and, and the necessity of doctrine. No one was forcing these people to do this. They chose to devote themselves to doctrine. They said, I want to do this. I cannot wait to get together with this group of people and learn more about the life of Jesus. I want to know who he is, what he's all about, what he has for me in my life. And so when we hear the word doctrine, and and here in the ESV, it says the word teaching, don't let this get overcomplicated. Literally, the word doctrine, it it just means teaching. It means teaching. It is, it is, is information that is received. It's something I am learning. It's something I'm taking in. And teaching is meant to have a purpose. Any teaching is meant to equip us for action. Okay? Someone goes off to college and gets a degree in a certain subject, and it's not just about hanging a plaque on the wall. It's getting equipping to then go into a career and put that into practice. Okay? And so, doctrine. So here's what we're going to look at this morning. I want to mention one other thing, because we'll highlight it a little bit this morning as we go. I just want you to see that in this verse where it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. These are meant to be connected. Okay, as we go through this series, we're going 
we're going to find different pieces from this chunk of verses and, and we'll take an individual piece and do a deep dive into it, but we need to see the whole picture. The learning of doctrine, the devotion to the teaching of Jesus was meant to be in the context of fellowshipping with other believers. It was, it was meant to be connected. And so um, next Sunday's message is on fellowship, and I'll start to tie into it a little bit at the end of this, this message. Um, but I just, I want you to hold that in your mind. These go together. Doctrine and fellowship go hand in hand. Let's not separate them. So three things we're gonna look at together this morning. What it means to be devoted to doctrine. First of all, I wanna talk about doctrine received. Receiving doctrine into our lives. Taking it in, absorbing it like a sponge. Like really getting a hold of it. Doctrine received. That's one part of being devoted to doctrine. Doctrine lived is another part of being devoted to doctrine, living it out. And then the third piece is doctrine practiced. Doctrine practiced. And you might think, well, that's the same as it being lived out. We'll flesh that out when we get there. So doctrine received, doctrine lived, doctrine practiced. Here we go. I can tell y'all are excited. I just see it all over your faces. All right. So as we move into this doctrine received, I just want to remind you of something we've already looked at. So I'm just going to give you these two little snippets. Um, But the launching off place for Jesus' disciples to pass on his life to future generations, the way we ended up here this morning is because of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, what's known as the Great Commission. And I want you to see a key piece of this. So this is taken from verses 19 and 20 of Matthew 28. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples, teaching them. That's doctrine. That's the giving of doctrine. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Okay, so the doctrine that we are to receive is the teaching of Jesus. I'm gonna say that again. The doctrine that we are to receive is the teaching of Jesus. He says, teach them to observe everything I commanded you. All right, so I'm gonna give you three ways to receive doctrine this morning. Three ways to receive Jesus' teaching. Number one, you ready? This is really complicated. Make sure you write this down because you might forget it. One way that we receive the teaching of Jesus is to read it. Right? That's easy to say. How many of you, if you've grown up in church, like you've probably heard a thousand times, if not more, read your Bible, right? Over and over and over again. And so then doctrine is a boring word. And then we connect it with another word like daily devotions. And now we're just really getting into this like, I'm obligated to this dry, boring thing. We have got to recover this sense that we have something unbelievable in our hands. Guys, do you realize for for years for the church, there was a book chained to a podium in a building in a language that wasn't the common language of the people and you showed up there and heard them read in Latin this old dead language and you literally didn't even have a copy in your house. And now it's like, I've got 20 translations in my phone over there. Like, because it's so accessible, somehow it stopped being special to us. We have something that people for years wish they'd been able to get their hands on. 
we have something that people still today cannot have in certain countries legally. And so they have to sneak it around and hide it. We have something precious so available. And guys, it's just, it's there. And so I don't want to guilt us into saying we have to read it. I'm telling you, Jesus' life and his teaching, it's compelling. It's revolutionary. Who he is, what he did for us, the life that he lived and all he taught, it's revolutionary. And it is at our fingertips and we can read it. We can absorb the life and teaching of Jesus by reading it. So, so let me walk you through this a little bit, right? So I, we could just say simply, read your Bible. And that's a good thing to do. We did that as a church together in 2020. We started in Genesis 1, 1, and we went all the way through the book of Revelation. We taught on it on Sundays. We gave you a Bible reading plan, and we have left all of that stuff up on our website so people can return to that if you need a guide, if you need a place to start. You can follow the plan, okay? That exists. But I would encourage you, let's think about the New Testament for a minute, all right? The Old Testament is great. Jesus is all through it. It's pointing to him in advance. It's pointing to him. In the New Testament, we've got those first four books when we open up the New Testament, right? They're the Gospels. The life of Jesus was captured by people who walked with him and lived with him and remembered him, and the Holy Spirit reminded them of everything he did and said and inspired them to write out the life of Jesus in these four gospels. And so then the letters that follow, whether it's the story of the early church, like the book of Acts, or then from that place forward, all these different letters, they were written as encouragement to the church. And it was, it was written to give them sound doctrine and to warn them about doctrine that was off. And so the gospels, give us the life and the teaching of Jesus and the letters in the New Testament, it sort of takes it and defines it into some categories for us. Here's what grace means. Here's what sin is and does. Here's how the Holy Spirit operates in your life. Here's how you can love and serve and forgive each other. Here's how you can avoid things that rip you off and destroy you in life. It's, it's given for that. And so, so spend time in the Gospels. Spend time in the letters. Read through it. Read through it. And don't read through it just to go, I checked it off. I read the New Testament once. Like, pick a book. Take the book of Galatians and go, I'm just gonna sit and I'm gonna read through this and, and try to wrap my head around. What's Paul saying here to this church? But go through the life of Jesus and just let his life talk to me over and over and over again and see what he's saying. And, and guys, the way that we do this don't just read this like I'm following a reading plan to check, check it off the list. Like take your Bible out and say, okay, Jesus, you are the word made flesh. There were people in the Bible who saw you face to face. You know, sweet Mary sat at your feet absorbing your teaching and shut everything else down to spend time with you. Well, Jesus, here I am. I'm slowing down. I'm gonna turn off all the noise, all the distraction. I don't wanna just read words on a page. Jesus, will you meet me here? Will you make your life real to me? Would you make your teaching, your words real to me? May they come alive in my heart. And then suddenly, I'm moving from just reading to having an encounter with the living God. Guys, that is what changed my life. 
That's it. I grew up in church. I had all kinds of good foundational stuff poured into me. I was spending a lot of time just kind of Jesus was on the periphery of my life. I was aware of him, but not really focused on him, not spending time with him. And often for a while, kind of even run in the opposite direction. And at 19 years old, 20 years old, I just, I sat down with a Bible in my room. I was like, God, I need you. And if you're real, would you make yourself known? And all of a sudden, things I'd heard about, things I'd read even at, at a younger age in life, it just became real to me. Because inviting God to talk to me through his word. So when I say, read it, don't just hear, okay, gotta read my Bible. We have something precious in our hands. And we have the living God to talk to us through his word. Read it, receive it. All right, a great place to start. If you're looking for a place to start, even just start with the Sermon on the Mount. Like it's one of the seminal things, like Jesus kind of defined right there who he was and what he was all about. The Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew's gospel. It's chapters five, six, and seven. Man, soak it in. Take it in and ask Jesus to speak to you. Let me give you a, a taste of this, all right? Um, I wanna actually move back and give you a snippet from the very end of Matthew chapter four because it leads us into what he taught. So I'm gonna give you just these little glimpses of a few verses. So Matthew chapter four, parts of verse 23, then verse 25, and then right into chapter five where we have the Sermon on the Mount. Check this out. And he, Jesus, went throughout all Galilee teaching doctrine, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of God's kingdom. And great crowds followed him. Great crowds couldn't wait to hear the teaching of Jesus. They were drawn to it. And they came and they followed him everywhere from Galilee and Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds. So Jesus has all these crowds together. He's realizing, I now have this captive audience. I have these crowds. Let me lay this out for them. And so seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, I want you to see this, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit. Blessed are those who realize I need something that I don't have. Blessed are those who realize he's got something I don't have. He's got something I need. Who was taught the Sermon on the Mount? There were great crowds that thought Jesus was interesting. There were a lot of people that thought his life was compelling. The people who heard and received his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount are the disciples who came to him. Friends, that's what reading is all about. I can position myself to say, God, I wanna be devoted to doctrine. Jesus, I wanna be devoted to receiving what you have for me. You have something I don't, and I want to get a hold of it. And so, Jesus, I want to come and sit at your feet and be in your presence and be taught by you. All right? So there's a place you can start. Number two, number two, we can receive doctrine by listening to it. So not only can we read it, we can listen to it. We can receive from other people. We can listen to other teachers. 
So give you a taste of this, okay? The apostles and other followers, they listened to Jesus' teaching. That's what we just read. So they weren't just reading words on a page on their own. They're, they're hearing Jesus say things, explain things, teach them things, like they're receiving from a teacher. Now we move forward in the early church. It's where we started this morning. What did the early church do? They received from the apostles. So the apostles had been taught by Jesus. Now the early church gathered and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They said, I'm gonna sit and learn from these guys. I'm gonna receive from someone else. They've got something that they can help me see, hear, understand, and apply. And so I'm gonna learn from someone else. I'm gonna position myself in a place of humility and learn. All right, so they position themselves to be taught. Friends, we now have that still. This has continued on throughout time. Like they taught other people how to teach and it's been passed down through discipleship. And so we now have leaders and teachers as well and we need to learn to humble ourselves and listen to others. Guys, as a pastor who gets up and teach, I don't just rely on my study and my teaching. I spend time regularly, weekly, daily even, reading and listening and learning from others who are smarter than me, wiser than me, have perspectives I don't have. I read books from people who've been long dead and now in heaven. I read and listen to current teachers and leaders. Like, it's healthy for us to receive from other people. This is, this is just one place where it's described. But Paul describes this in Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, when he says that, that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to do what? Verse 12, to equip the saints. That's all of us. That's the body of Christ. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for building up the body of Christ. We need to receive teaching from other guides to build us up and to equip us for the life that we're gonna live. All right, we're gonna move into living doctrine in just a second. We gotta receive it first. We receive it with purpose. And so we read it on our own and we learn from other people who are further along. This might seem really basic to you, but guys, I'm, I'm convinced that we're living in a day and age where the information is readily available, but we don't slow down and actually tap into it and take it in and receive it. We settle for reading quick little memes on Instagram and go, I got my Bible for the day. I'm not against people posting scriptures on Instagram. That's great. Like, the Lord knows social media needs something positive there. <laughs> so I'm not against that. But like, we just settle for these quick little things. Like, let's sit, let's position ourselves to listen, to learn. And then number three, not only do we read, not only do we listen to others, we study it. We study it. We dig in. We dig in. I want to give you an example of this. Paul and Silas have been traveling around. They just got run out of one town, and they end up now in Berea. This is in Acts chapter 17. And they end up in Berea, and when they came to town and they began to teach about Jesus, I want you to take note of how the people received them. This is from Acts 17, verse 11. They received the word with all eagerness. They were listening. They were happy to be taught by someone else. They received it with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily 
to see if these things were so. So they were taught by somebody else, but they didn't just blindly go, bah, and just take it in. And that's important because the scripture, some of the doctrine in the scripture warns us that we'll just be attracted to things that sound good. And there will always be people who will just tell us what we want to hear. And it may not be the right thing. And so when we posture ourselves to read God's word, we posture ourselves to listen and receive from other people. The third thing we do is we study, we examine, is what they're saying, is what I'm learning, does it line up with the scripture? Does this line up with God's word? That word examine, it means to judge, to investigate. It means to inquire into it. It means to scrutinize, to sift, and to question. This isn't in a doubtful way. These guys were eager, it says, to receive. These weren't people sitting back going like, I'm questioning and doubting. It's like, no, I'm happy to receive the life of Jesus. I just want to make sure it's the right thing. And so they dug in on their own and sought it out. Man, for years, I, I sat in, in a church. I was a church member. I volunteered in the church. I was just an attending member of a church body. And man, I would take home sermon notes from the preaching, and that would then inform my study during the week. And I'd look up what words meant, and I'd go read the verse. It's like, hey, he read one verse from chapter 17 of Acts. Well, let me read all of chapter 17 and see what the whole story was there. And I got just, I dove into it. And, and it, it grew. It, it wasn't about growing in head knowledge. It was about discovering the person of Jesus. It was about discovering the life that is available in him. See, what, what we have to realize, guys, is church community is about going, man, I am so compelled by who Jesus is, by what he's done for me, by the life that he lived. I gotta be around him. And I wanna be other, around other people who wanna be around him. Where we can learn and grow together and discover this life that is available in him. All of doctrine was given for our benefit to teach us, to grow us, to equip us. And so that leads us to point number two this morning. Doctrine received doctrine lived. Doctrine lived. As we listen, as we read, as we study, as we absorb this in, we're meant to put it into practice. See, I, I skipped a couple little things earlier um, when I was talking about the Sermon on the Mount. I want to highlight them now. Um, at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, so all these people gathered, they heard Jesus lay out his doctrine. This is their reaction after he taught. This is Matthew 7 now, the last two verses, 28 and 29. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. They were like, whoa, what was that? That was incredible. They were astonished at his teaching. Verse 29, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. They were used to hearing empty, lifeless words that led nowhere. And now they're hearing Jesus' words and they're astonished at what he has to say and they notice he's got some authority. Now, where did this authority come from? It wasn't just like he spoke really loud and had a deep voice and he carried authority. Like it's, it's more than that. There was something about him that they knew he has power. 
he has authority. Well, we see it in Matthew chapter four, right before this sermon. So let me, let me read you the rest of what I left out. Matthew four, all of verses 23, 24, and 25 now. Check this out. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. See, Jesus' words, his doctrine, they were connected to his actions. And guys, his actions were changing lives. The reason they were astonished at his authority is because all the stuff he was talking to them about, he was living it out. And people's lives were being dramatically changed. They were being healed. They were being set free. They were experiencing what we sang about this morning. Like we sang about all authority being in Jesus and how he heals us in all authority. And now we're victorious. This was something real happening in their midst. So Jesus' doctrine was connected with his action and that's what caught their eyes. That's what grabbed their attention. That's what astonished them. What he's saying works. What he's saying he does. I want to give you a specific example of this because this, I didn't just pull this out from one moment. This gave like a broad picture of something that was happening. Well, in Mark's gospel, he gives us a specific example of this very thing. Check this out. This is found in Mark chapter one, verses 21 and 22 to start. Then they, talking about Jesus and those who were following him, went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So it's like the exact same thing that Matthew just said, right? He showed up, he's giving doctrine. They're amazed just at what he's saying. They're already amazed. They can tell there's something unique about him. They noticed the, this authority that he carried. And in the midst of this sermon, in the midst of his teaching, verse 23, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. He's teaching. Here's, here's who I am. Here's what I'm about. Here's my doctrine. Here's the good news of the kingdom. Like he's teaching the things that he taught. He probably was even saying things similar to what he said at the Sermon on the Mount. He is sharing his message. And in the middle of that, there's someone in need. And as natural as anything, really as supernatural as anything, but as natural as anything, Jesus doesn't even give a thought to it. He goes right from teaching into addressing the situation and setting a guy free. A guy bound by demonic oppression, he sets him free. Now the people were already astonished at what he said 
Now they watch this take place and look at their reaction, verses 27 and 28. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? (laughs) A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once, and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Friends, if you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear this. Where doctrine is lived, it ain't boring. Where doctrine is lived, it ain't boring. The life and teaching of Jesus goes hand in hand. If we just separate the, the lives that Jesus touched the people that he encountered, that he loved, that he forgave, that he healed, that he set free. If we just separate all those miracles and push them over the side and we just go, let me read about these things he taught and then then we just create our own new Old Testament law. Jesus' life and his teaching were never meant to be separated. It goes together. Faith without works is And that's why doctrine's boring. Because we settle for lists. We settle for rules. We settle for knowing the right information and being right and knowing that they're wrong. And it's death. The doctrine of Jesus was meant to get down into us. The reason I said receive it like a sponge, because then when a sponge gets wrung, what comes out? Whatever it had soaked up. And so when Jesus got into the ringer of life, when life got real and people were hurting and they were broken and they were in need and they got a touch from him, what rang out of his life and rained down on them? The life of his words that were real because they were filled with authority. And so his authority rained down and people were healed and set free. And if you think this was just about Jesus, we're forgetting what was described in Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. Because after they were devoted to doctrine and fellowship and prayers and breaking bread, it said awe was on every soul because miracles were being worked in their midst because the apostles' teaching was connected with real life and people's lives were being touched. Because we're meant to take doctrine in and then we're meant to live it out. This word authority keeps coming up. I want you to see it here. So they said it about Jesus. He teaches with authority. He teaches with authority. Well, where we started this morning, the Great Commission, when he said, go make disciples and teach them everything I've taught you, that's not where he started. Verse 18, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go therefore and make disciples. I have all authority. Now I'm sending you to carry my words in my life and give it away. Friends, the reason that we miss so much of the life of Jesus in our midst is we're missing authority. We're missing power or we misunderstand it. 
Because a lot of the church gets confused and thinks, I need to get power, and then I have power, now I carry power, and we flip this whole thing upside down. Power comes from the seat of authority. Who has the power? Jesus has the power. He has the power. Friends, this isn't about me trying to grab power or me learning certain words and phrases from the Bible that help me conjure up power. It's not about that at all. He has the power. He has the authority. I humble myself under his authority and allow his power to have its way. You want to know how our lives can be wrung out and the power of Jesus can touch us and others to bring healing? Submitting my life to his power. I think the real reason we don't see more miraculous things happening in our midst, which by the way, we actually do. Like we have people in this church who pray. We see people healed. We celebrate prayers answered. So like we see this stuff. But I just want to say in general, both in our own personal lives and in our country, one of the reasons why we see so little of doctrine lived where it touches and impacts lives is because we don't understand authority. See, the reality is so few of us see his power working through us because we haven't allowed his power to work on us. If I'm not giving him lordship in my life, then his doctrine, his teaching isn't being lived in my life. If I position myself to let him be my teacher, if I'm absorbing his words and his life and I'm submitting to him and I'm letting that change me, I'm letting it set me free from sin. I'm letting it heal broken places in my life. I'm learning to submit to his power, his authority. Receiving the Holy Spirit, that's all about surrendering to the Spirit of God. You know Jerger? It's submitting to God's spirit. And we, we put the cart before the horse. It's like we want the signs, like we want the miracle, miracles or we want the gifts or we don't want that because we're scared of it. But it's like, do you think you'd be scared of Jesus if he was hanging out with us right now? No, people loved him. They crowded around him. They wanted to be with him because love permeated his life. Serving other people permeated his life. He shared words that would give life. And he touched people's lives and he healed them and he set them free. People wanted to be around him. So if you're scared off by the gifts, don't be. Get around Jesus. Spend time with him. Absorb his life. Submit yourself to him. Watch him begin to change your life. Watch his doctrine set you free. Watch his doctrine give you an aim give you a direction, give you hope. And as we follow him and we learn from him and he rubs off on us and, and when we've submitted to his lordship, we can then live out what we're learning. There's so much doctrine that is learned today, but how much of it is really applied and lived? See, some of us kind of Point number one was like really important. We need to camp there. Like I'm not positioning myself to just soak him up like a sponge. I'm not reading. I'm not listening. I'm not studying. I'm not receiving his word into my life. So I don't even have anything to draw on. 
That's where some of us might be. For others, we realize that there's a lot available. And so we're taking stuff in all the time. Okay, then is it flowing out of us? Have I submitted to his lordship? Am I just taking in information or am I taking on a lord? See the difference? Discipleship, it means apprenticeship. It means I'm coming underneath your guidance, your teaching, you're showing me how to live. That's what discipleship is. Being devoted to doctrine means, Jesus, I wanna learn from you how to live. And so we submit to him and let him be in charge. So here's our point of application for number two. Consider, is your life governed by the life and teaching of Jesus? Is your life governed by it? Not do you know some stuff, not have you learned some things. If we're gonna be devoted to doctrine, is my life governed by the life and teaching of Jesus? Number three, here's some good news for you. If you're thinking, wow, you still got another point to make. The good news for you is point number three is next Sunday's sermon, okay? But I wanna give you, I'm gonna give you a taste. So I'm gonna give you like five minutes and then next Sunday is, is point three. Doctrine practiced. Remember I said that doctrine and fellowship go together? It's because we're supposed to learn this stuff in community. We practice it on each other. We all come together and say, hey, we're not perfect. In fact, we know we're a mess. The whole reason we can gather is because we all know we need Jesus. We all know we need him. We all know we're broken and we need him. And so we gather and we go, hey, Together, as imperfect as we all are, we have the same aim. I want to learn from the master. I want him to be Lord of my life. And he told me it was good for me to spend time with his people. And so our aim is to come together and practice what we're learning. We can read it together. We can listen to it together. We can study it together. But we practice it together. See, this is why community becomes so important because we are to work out the life of Jesus in the context of community. But we have a problem, I believe. Many of us are afraid of hashing this stuff out together. We're afraid of that. I'm afraid of being that real and vulnerable with someone else. And I'm really afraid of talking about where the life of Jesus touches everyday life and decisions that I make. I mean, if there's one thing the last year and a half has taught us, maybe it's just safer not to talk about big issues. How many of us have experienced hurt, wounding, maybe even severed relationships because we disagree on some topic or how a situation should be handled? You know what that reveals? The reason we don't feel safe is because we're more concerned about defending our turf and our positions than we are about humbly figuring this out together. I'm gonna say that again. One of the reasons it doesn't feel safe is because we're more concerned about defending our turf and our positions than we are about humbly figuring this out together. If I'm not submitted to his lordship, I'm definitely not gonna submit myself to wrestling this out with someone else. Another reason it doesn't feel safe, it's kind of tied to that reason. Because so many of us aren't actually governed by the doctrine of Jesus 
It is actually something else that is directing my opinions and the very course and aim of my life. I've heard this said on more than one occasion recently, and it's not just a, a quote that I agree with. It's something I have watched happen. We are living in a day where Christians are more likely to consider changing the church they attend than changing their politics. That will tell you right there what's really governing your life. I'm not saying you should change your politics. I'm saying they better be submitted underneath the lordship of Christ and his teaching. That's just one example. Like, like my opinion, my stance on any particular topic and not only my opinion or stance on it, not only should that opinion be submitted to the Lordship of Christ, does it line up with his word, but the way I live out that opinion should be submitted to the Lordship of Christ. And so even if I'm right and you're wrong, how I handle me being right and Savannah, you being wrong, I could be right and you could be wrong. Let me keep saying that for a minute. I could be right and you could be wrong but I could be wrong too. Because even the way I'm handling that does not line up with the life of Jesus. Is this resonating? Guys, if there is a place somewhere we should be able to get together and be real and talk about real stuff and actually lean in and hash out, like what is going on around us in this world today? And where do I stand on this? Not only where do I stand, how do I navigate this? How do I treat people? How do I respond to these difficult things going on? Guys, we should be able to come in together and, and the only thing that allows us to do that is because we're coming in together saying, hey, I'm just humbly here trying to submit my life to his. And so I'm willing to hash this out with other people who have the same aim. And so it's gonna be safe because even if we disagree, we're gathering to love, to support, to encourage each other to follow Jesus Christ. And maybe, just maybe, somewhere along the way, my thought, my opinion, my politics might be challenged by the life of Jesus and his words. Because friends, I'll tell you, I'm pretty familiar with the Republican platform. And I'm pretty familiar with the Democratic platform. And I am telling you, they both have something to learn from the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Do not allow yourself to fall for this strange allegiance where we intertwine the two like they're the same. Now, there may be a certain political side that aligns more closely, but it had better submit to the life and teaching of Jesus. Now, I'm just picking on politics this morning. We could go down all number of roads. What I spend my time on, what are the aims in my life? What am I trying to gain and pursue? Does that line up with what Jesus has taught me to aim at? Is that what's healthy for me? Is that what it means to be submitted and living in his kingdom? Or is my aim just the American dream? Which, by the way, has left a lot of people wanting. Even people who've achieved it. Some of the most depressed people are the most financially successful, the most famous, because it's a lie. Because just like the scribes who didn't have authority in their teaching, we're being taught all the time by a culture that doesn't have the answers. Jesus has the answers. It's in him, his words and his life, where we find life. 
And so friends, let's be devoted to doctrine. It's not boring. It's life-giving. We get to spend time with Jesus. We get to absorb his life into ours. We get to learn how to live that out by submitting to his lordship. Letting him change me, shape me, mold me. And he's given me other people to do this with. Do I take advantage of that? My living life with the body of Christ. Learning how to practice doctrine. And as we practice together, we grow together. So next week, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 4. I already read the first couple verses, verses 11 and 12. We'll go further into that next Sunday. And we're going to jump into the power of fellowship, what it means to be devoted to fellowship, and why that is so important for us as a church. All right? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the life that we have in you. Jesus, thank you for your teaching for your words and for your life that teach, that speak. Jesus, would you help us just kind of locate where we are here in this message today? God, if we just need a, a fresh reminder or encouragement to simply receive doctrine from you, to read it, to listen, to study it, God, would you help us to walk that out? Lord, if, if we've learned a lot, but we're in a place where we need to submit to your lordship, we need to see more of your life and your words flowing through our lives as we learn to let you be in charge. And God, help us to live out the doctrine we receive from you. And thirdly, Lord, if, if we've neglected, maybe by not even participating or maybe by being around church but not really engaging in real relationship, Lord, may we learn to practice being devoted to doctrine by getting together with members of the body and figuring out how to walk with you. Jesus, we need you. We need your word. We need your authority in our lives. We don't need our authority. We need your authority. And Jesus, we need one another. Thank you, Lord, that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. May that be true of us. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen.